So we are preaching on the Holy Spirit. We began a series last week called The Holy Spirit, Wonderful, Not Weird. And so we are going to be preaching for weeks about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I I threw out the, the question last week. How many of you guys have ever said to God the Father, said, Father, I love you? And it was everybody. I said, how many people have spoken to the Son and said, Jesus, I love you? And it was everybody. And then I kind of flipped up the question and said, how many people have never said, Holy Spirit, I love you? And we, we had a few honest people raise their hands and say, I've never done that. And I think that, that drives home the point that I have that there's an unfamiliarity with the Holy Spirit. There's a, a lack of personalization of the Holy Spirit. In fact, a lot of times we don't know whether to call the Holy Spirit a what or an it or a he or a him or what it is. So tonight we're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be abundantly clear. The Holy Spirit is a person. It is a he. When the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit, it says he and him. It is not an it. It is not Casper the friendly Holy Ghost. It is not. It, it, is, it is the Holy Spirit who is 100% spirit but it's also person, qualities and traits of a person. Just as Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, and we, we might not fully grasp that, it's okay if we don't fully grasp that the Holy Spirit is a spirit, but that he is a person. The Bible shows us traits of the Holy Spirit that reveal that he is not impersonal in the least, and nor should we treat him in an impersonal way. We see that he has emotions. He is aware. He knows. He loves. He grieves. He can be lied to. He helps. He intercedes. He has a mind. He knows the thoughts of God. He reveals the thoughts of God. He makes elders. He serves as proof and witness. And he speaks. So I want to begin tonight's message with scriptural proof of everything I just said. So we're going to fly through 15 scriptures. So if you don't get the scriptural reference, um, come up later and I'll just give you my notes. Um, So we see in Romans 15.30 that the Holy Spirit loves. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Ephesians 4.30 shows that the Holy Spirit grieves. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit helps and intercedes. Romans 26 and then 27. 27 also shows that the Holy Spirit has a mind. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, Too deep for words. Next verse, verse 27. The Holy Spirit has a mind. And he who searches the hearts, which is Jesus, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That that little passage right there in Romans uh, 8, 26 and 27 is so powerful. Those two verses show us the Holy Spirit and Jesus working together, interceding for us. How humbling is that? That is, that is incredible. We see in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 that the Holy Spirit knows and reveals the thoughts of God. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. 
For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Friends, let's not bypass these even though I read through these quickly. How awesome is it that we have access to the mind of God through the power of the Holy Spirit? He has an acute sense of goodness. Acts 15.28 For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. Acts 5.3 shows that the Holy Spirit can be lied to. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? We see that the Holy Spirit makes elders in Acts 20.28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Acts 5.32 shows us that he serves as witness. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Acts 7.51 shows that the Holy Spirit can be resisted. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. And we see that the Holy Spirit speaks. 2 Samuel 23, 2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. Acts 8, 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Acts ten nineteen. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Acts eleven twelve. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. Acts 13.2 They were ministering to the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I included more verses on the Holy Spirit speaking because I really wanted to drive that point home. We see that the Holy Spirit spoke in the New Testament. We see that the Holy Spirit spoke in the Old Testament. And we see that the Holy Spirit speaks today. We have someone on the mic over here Because we believe that the Holy Spirit is still speaking. He's still guiding us into all truth of Jesus Christ. He still wants His church to be edified and encouraged and uplifted. And so, you know, just as we had James over here tonight, Pam came up and said, I've got a word for the Lord. I believe it'll edify and encourage the body of Christ. Here's what it is. James is like, absolutely that's edifying and encouraging. Bring that. And she brought it and it was awesome. And we were edified and encouraged. Why? Because the Holy Spirit still speaks today. Slow down, Mark. Slow down. I'm getting excited. I don't mind redundancy if it's to drive home a point. And I'm trying to drive home a point. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is an indispensable part of the Trinity, of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father is needed. The Son is needed. The Holy Spirit is needed. The Father is loved. The Son is loved. The Holy Spirit is loved. Friends, let's not depersonalize the Holy Spirit and make Him something weird or like, you don't want to uncork the Holy Spirit. You uncork the Holy Spirit, strange things happen. And sometimes that happens, yes. But the Holy Spirit is not weird. He is wonderful. And His power is awesome. So my encouragement in wrapping up that little part, we should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I said it last week and I'll say it again. The Godhead is not in conflict with each other in any way. 
and they are not insecure of one another in any way. So you can talk to the Father, you can talk to the Son, you can talk to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter. It's all good. We should be talking to all of them. We should be praising all of them. We should be thanking all of them. We should be asking for for the presence of God to permeate our lives. So last week, I showed you the incredible introduction that Jesus made to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. Friends, no matter how much we are loved, no matter how fondly someone on this earth thinks of us, we will never, none of us, ever get an introduction like Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to the disciples. There's moms I know you dote over your children. My mom's right here. She dotes. She likes to talk about her kids. Every mom does. Mothers, you will never introduce your child with the affection of which Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit. Men, you will never introduce your wives with the amount of pride that Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit as we saw in John 14, 15, and 16 last week. Men, you will never... Blank looks. Let me change it up. Men, you will never introduce your favorite orange and blue clad professional football team with the same expectation and faith and expectance of greatness as Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we read those passages and we just we just skip and gloss past it. So I hope last week we didn't do that. So my question is this. When was Jesus' introduction to the Holy Spirit? Let me be abundantly clear. Jesus has known the Holy Spirit as long as he's known the Father. Okay, Since the beginning of eternity, Jesus and the Father and the Son have been and created and were in harmony and unity. But what I'm speaking of is the introduction of Jesus, the Son of Man, to the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus was born and born to this earth as man, it was a different context than he had, been, than he had, had before. Before he was 100% God, and then he came to this earth as 100% man. It's a new context. It's a new walk. So when I'm talking about the introduction of Jesus, the Son of Man, to the Holy Spirit, we see in Scripture when that took place. We see that Jesus walked for 30 years prior to that introduction. So let's look at that introduction of the Son of Man called to fulfill the wishes and instructions of His Heavenly Father to the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, 13-17. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John permitted him. We should always permit God to have his way, by the way. That's a good choice. We should always permit Jesus. John permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 
when Jesus asked John to baptize him, John protested because John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he knew the righteousness of Jesus. He knew that Jesus was more righteous than he. And says, no, no, it should be you baptizing me. But then he acquiesced Jesus' request. And he obeyed and Jesus was baptized. And it says that heaven opened up. Heaven opened up. And we hear the Father's voice making declaration as the Holy Spirit descended as a dove onto the Son. We see the converging of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the Father with these words, This is my Son, whom I love. In Him I am well pleased. Friends, there is no greater gift that the Father could have given the Son than the Holy Spirit who was to come and fall upon the Son and saturate the Son and remain on the Son. And friends, there's no greater gift that the Father could give you or I either. In fact, Jesus himself says this clearly out of personal experience. Jesus says this in Luke eleven thirteen: If you then, be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is the context of fathers giving good gifts and he's saying, as men, you know, you, you, you know how to give. You're evil, but you still know how to give, give good gifts to your children. How much more so does the Father give good gifts? How much more so does He give the Holy Spirit? In all four Gospels, all four Gospels, we see the accounting of this experience. We see the accounting of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending, and the Father speaking. Matthew 3.11, Mark 1.8, Luke 3.16 and John 1.33. And in all th- four of those cases, we see it acknowledged that it is He, Jesus, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. But John is unique among them for sharing this just interesting, extraordinary perspective. John 1.32. John testified, and, and this is John, let me give you, this is John, the cousin of, of Jesus. Okay? This is, they are cousins. So John testified saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and remained upon him. I did not recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, everyone say, and remaining. We can't miss that part. Upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that what? This is the Son of God. Since Jesus and John were cousins, there's a pretty good chance they'd met before. There's a pretty good chance they could recognize one another. But that's not what John's saying. John's not saying that I didn't recognize Jesus, my cousin. What he was saying is, I didn't recognize Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. John did not recognize Jesus as the Son of God until what took place? 
till the Holy Spirit fell upon him. God even gave John a vision. Even gave him a vision. said, you're going to see the Spirit of God descend. You're going to see the Holy Spirit descend and remain. And that's my son. Even though John was expecting it, he didn't recognize Jesus as the Son of God until that moment. Until the moment of affirmation by the Father and the descending, the gift of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. Before John recognized Jesus as the Son of God, John recognized the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. Friends, how are people in our lives supposed to recognize Jesus in us? By the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that, pe- that we can't even declare Jesus as Lord except by what? By the revealing of the Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit drew you to the Lord. You, you found the truth in it and you said yes. You said yes to his plan, to his salvation, to his grace, to the completed work of Jesus Christ. You said yes to the promise, and it was by the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight and you walked in and you you do not know Jesus Christ, but you feel something stirring you to say yes and to place your trust in him, friends, that's the Holy Spirit at work. And the point I want to make is the Holy Spirit is at work. He is at work. He is at work in our lives. He is at work in willing and hungry vessels. Not just to descend upon us, but to remain upon us. What person knew Jesus the most? There was only one person who remained with him. There was only one person who spent 24-7 with him. There was only one person who was with Jesus every second of his ministry. The Holy Spirit. What person knows the Holy Spirit best? Jesus. Jesus. Friends, Jesus is well aware of the first 30 years he spent without that tangible, falling experience of the Holy Spirit. And he is well aware of the next three years of his ministry that he walked out in the power and the remaining and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It makes perfect sense in John, we covered last week, that that Jesus would make the introduction to us of the Holy Spirit. Bringing the Holy Spirit to us, baptizing us, with the Holy Spirit is at the very heart of the mission of Jesus Christ. It was always God's plan. It was not a last minute add-on. It's not a plan B. It was always plan A. Always. But before Jesus can baptize us with the Holy Spirit, some things had to happen. First, He Himself had to be consumed by the Holy Spirit fully. And then he had to be led by the Holy Spirit during the entire messianic ministry and work that he had here on earth. And three, Jesus had to first be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do great works.
Not only does the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus at his baptism, he remains upon him. We say it all the time. Prior to that message, when the Father said, this is my Son whom I love and him I'm well pleased, prior to that, Jesus hadn't preached a single message. Prior to that, Jesus hadn't done a single miracle. We point that out. But let's also be quick to point out, before the descending and the falling of the Holy Spirit, Jesus didn't preach a, a single anointed message. He didn't do a single miracle. That took place after the Holy Spirit fell upon him. No person knows the Holy Spirit like Jesus, and no person knows Jesus like the Holy Spirit. So the intro that Jesus gives us of the Holy Spirit should make perfect sense, but it also should be celebrated. It also should be welcomed. I read a verse there that says that the Holy Spirit can be resisted. Friends, let's not be that guy. Let's not be that gal. Let's not be that person that resists the Holy Spirit because of fill in the blank. And I don't even care what you fill in the blank with. Because of my past, because of past religious experience, because of uh, a, a very compelling talk show host, because of whatever. Jesus didn't teach a single sermon without the guidance and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was present for every one of his sermons. Every Every talk he had with the disciples, every talk he had with an at the time stranger, the Holy Spirit was there for everyone. Jesus didn't perform a single miracle without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not emerge from the temptation in the wilderness, victorious, except that he went into the wilderness first with the empowering and the guidance and the help of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit on Jesus in his ministry. The, the presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus for every second of his ministry. Friends, we can't take that lightly. In fact, I, I'm certain that among some in this room, that right now puts it in a whole new light. Jesus did nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus is raving, absolutely raving, absolutely can't contain himself talking about the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 15 and 16, and please go back and read it. He is doing so from personal experience, not from hearsay. He's not doing it just because he heard what the Father said the Holy Spirit was going to do. Jesus was saying these things because for the last three years he walked it out. He experienced it. He had the Holy Spirit with him. And when he's speaking, he is speaking from personal experience. Of who? The person of the Holy Spirit. I love, I love repentance. You come to this church at all, you'll hear me say it, I love it. What a gift given to us. Holy, uh, repentance is not some heavy thing. It's not some heavy, like, guilt-ridden thing. Repent means to rethink. To, to rethink. To hear what God has to say. To rethink our stance on it and go, I agree with God. That's repentance, friend. It doesn't have to have a single tear. Your knees don't have to get bruised in the midst of repentance. You don't have to cry. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to, you don't have to pay some sort of penance. You don't have to run laps. You don't got to do push-ups. 
Repentance is simply agreeing with God, rethinking and agreeing with Him. Now, that said, you, you, go, you repent however you're built. I'm a crier. I'm a crier, man. I, I'm going to cry at times. I'm an emotional guy. But that doesn't mean that my repentance is any truer if I'm crying than if you are stoic and stone-faced and go, no, I, I believe with God and I recognize that what I believed before wasn't. And, no, Lord, I believe with you. I believe in you. I believe what you said. Just as valid. I say that to say this. It would be a mistake as a church if throughout this series and tonight to not repent if the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you've thought poorly of me. You've, you've considered me less than. I'm redhead, so I can say this. You know, you've thought of me as a redheaded stepchild. You've thought I wasn't needed. You've thought I wasn't necessary. Agree with what the Word of God says about just how vital I am. So friends, I'm not asking for anyone to fill the altars with repentance. I'm asking you right there where you are to go, if the, if, the, if the Holy Spirit is bringing to truth who He is, who Jesus Christ is, through His work, then I'm just asking right there just to agree with God. To just this, however you feel, just to just to repent. You notice I didn't call up a musician. I didn't call up a musician to set the tone. And I do that often. I'll, I'll call up Brian to set the tone, to kind of play, to kind of ease us into a place of ministry. I don't want that tonight because I don't want anything manipulative or that could be perceived as manipulative. I just want us to agree with God. Right there where we are, to agree with God. And in any way, if there's things about the Holy Spirit that we have thought poorly or even attributed evil to Him, to say, Lord, I... I believe you're good and only good. And I agree with you. Let's pray.